Welcome to the Contrarian Marketing Podcast, where we give you ideas you might not be thinking about. Today, we're doing a midsummer marketing update because some of us go on vacation. Kevin, good to see you. It's been a while. Ha, how was your vacation? Vacation is awesome. I don't think when I had a real job, I ever took a real vacation because I always felt like I felt guilty. I was getting paid and I was on vacation. And like if my boss emailed and disrespected the fact that I was on vacation, I felt like they knew they were disrespecting that I was on vacation. So therefore, I got to respond, right? Like I had an audit office and they saw it. And then they were like, hey, just checking in on that thing. And there you are like, you know, 10 time zones away looking into like Google Analytics or Google Search Console or having to read some long thread and respond to the CEO. So this is, I just went on a real vacation because, you know, we'll talk about it later, but I think there's a recession. There isn't as much business to be had. So rather than like banging my head against the wall and figure out like how to get more business, I was on vacation, went to the beach. Everywhere I go, I'm getting commented on my tan. I'm offended that you haven't pointed it out yet. It's blinding, but do you feel recharged? Dude, I, I've, I felt recharged the minute I turned in my MacBook and quit my job and became a full-time consultant. So I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm just the energizer bunny when it comes to like living life and not having a, a full-time job. Speaking about charging, how's your laptop? So this is the last time that I'm going to be doing this podcast on a Windows-based Lenovo computer. So we, we mentioned this in previous podcasts. I had some issues with Lenovo warranties. And I decided that I was going to break my lifelong streak of not purchasing Apple products. And next, next week's podcast is going to be on a MacBook Air. Oh my God, Eli, you finally done it. I knew you were going to come over to the, to the dark side. Yeah, I'm probably going to put Windows on it though, just in case. <sighs> that's, that's like putting ketchup on a pancake, man. Like you can't do that. You don't do that? You know, no, I value my life and my taste buds, and I don't do that. That's my breakfast. <laughs> you just killed my <laughs> breakfast. <laughs> we'll get you there. We'll get you there. So speaking of breakfast, what's, what's on the menu today? I think we got to talk about Twitter, or are we supposed to like call it X? Like, what are, we, what are we supposed to do? What is it? Nobody really knows. I thought X was just a placeholder for the brand, but sure, let's, let's talk about it. By the way, what do you call tweeting now that it's X? Is it seeding? Threading. Because no one's, no one's actually going to use thread, so we might as well take the thread's name and put it <laughs> onto Twitter. Okay, I guess we disagree here. Let's, before we jump to threads, let's, a little bit, let's talk a little bit about Twitter. And I think the point here, the, the, the point here is about value destruction. Elon, to be fair, Elon Musk has said many years ago that he wants to start a company called X. He obviously has SpaceX. I think he owns the X.com domain for a while, or at least he wanted to get it. Was it PayPal X? I think there was a plan or something. There's some history. There's some history with it. And it's not, it doesn't come completely out of the blue that Elon does this, but it is very much a kind of Sunday afternoon thought move. So basically, some people reverse engineered that Elon works on, on Twitter, which is now X, mostly on the weekends. I think it's like Thursdays until Sundays. And out of the blue, he tweeted or exceeded that to X was now going to be the name of the company and it's not Twitter anymore. And I don't think anybody really knew that that was going to happen. I think even his new CEO, Linda Yaccarino, 
kind of, you know, she, she posted a tweet shortly after that said basically nothing. It is hilarious if you want to check it out. It's basically like, oh, yeah, we're going to start this new company that does banking and also messaging. And it also does all these other things. And it's powered by AI. And nobody knows what this company is going to do. So way to destroy tons of brand value. That's one of the few things that Twitter has left. And that's gone now. And I think the the kind of one of the kind of takeaways here is, you know, redesigns need to have a purpose. It's not it, what Twitter does. It's not a rebrand or it's not a redesign. It's basically it's basically like ripping the brand apart and then trying to build a new company on the ashes. And I think, you know, if you want to learn one thing out of this, it's that if you want to rebrand, which I can talk a bit more about how we did this at Atlassian. and it was a big undertaking and very successful, but you don't just want to do that because you changed the product. There has to be a deeper meaning, a deeper purpose. And the key or the art is to conserve the brand value you have already built instead of just lighting that on fire. Yeah, we're the contrarian marketing podcast. I'm going to have to disagree with you right there. I don't think the brand value makes any difference whatsoever. I think that what Elon is proving, and we'll go over to threads in a second, is that people are not on Twitter because it's Twitter. They're on Twitter because it's a community. And he can do whatever he wants. I think, you know, if you think about early days of Twitter, the fail whale, where like the Twitter would go down and people were still using it. And I remember all the articles on TechCrunch and Valleywag when that still existed about, like, hey, the fail whale's up again and people were still using Twitter. It's a community, it's a place to share your opinions. It's a place to hear other people's opinions. It's unique. And I think he can call it X. He can, you know, make it change the brand, make it an uncomfortable place to be. And it's still going to be the place that someone like Donald Trump, I think Donald Trump's mad at them, but someone like Donald Trump would want to go to share their opinions. You know, I don't think a lot of the, a lot of the companies that retreated from Twitter are secretly back on Twitter. It's like, where else are you going to get that audience? Where else are you going to get those quick updates? Yeah, well, yeah, maybe you go to Threads, but Threads doesn't have that community. Threads doesn't have the user base, or they they had it for like two minutes when people checked it out. But that's it. So the same way, and we talk about this a lot on the podcast, like TikTok versus, you know, the world, right? TikTok versus Instagram, TikTok versus YouTube Shorts. There's something to TikTok. It's not just oh, well, we can also make short videos. There's a, It's a place that people go to see that kind of content. There's followers, there's a community. You can't just replicate the product. And you think about how many places or how many products have tried to replicate each other and have failed. You know, think about, well, actually, Snapchat came up with stories first and Instagram really took it on. And the existing Instagram users like the stories. It's not that they created a brand new platform just to steal it. So I don't think that, really Elon can destroy it. I don't think it's about the brand value. Again, I think he can call it whatever he wants. He can change the URL. He can move it onto tour. He can do anything. And I, I think that, I think it lasts. I think it's a community. I think the core users are still there. The advertisers, that's a challenge. And I want to save this for a future episode, but I, I did find a way to get thousands, hundreds of thousands of impressions to our, our podcast tweets for under a dollar. So we're gonna have to make a whole episode about that. Hopefully Elon doesn't listen to that episode and close this loophole. But if he does, Elon, you're always invited onto our podcast. We'll prep really hard. We'll we'll buy like the best weed for you. We'll do whatever we need. <laughs> but but that's that's my take. I, I think that Twitter's got staying power. It's not going anywhere. I think I think Elon could like go on vacation and turn off Twitter for a week and he'll come back and turn it back on. Everyone will be back on Twitter. 
I doubt it. I, I, I saw, so on similar web, you can see the daily active users on Android for any app. And it's it's gone down about 17% since Elon took over. So since November, 2022, that's significant. And I have a feeling that, you know, every, every tweet that he posts where he retweets some conspiracy theory or some right wing kind of, you know, kind of, you know, take or, or fascist or whatever, it's going to like take away like a few people now. And now that Twitter is a Twitter, that, that would be Twitter. the ultimate move. Twitter. I'm <laughs> <laughs> buying that domain. Give me a second to go to GoDaddy. <laughs> Threader.com. Now that, that threads is, you know, is, is on the horizon and is, is, is there, there is a legit kind of alternative to Twitter that is not super complex to use like Mastodon or that doesn't have all the cool kids at the party like Blue Sky or that doesn't have anybody like Post. I think now that Threads is out there, it's going to it's gonna harm Twitter or, or X even more. And, you know, I, I see it already in engagement. I have about 600 followers on Threads and I get the same engagement as I get on Twitter, even though I have 33,000 followers on, Twi on, tw on Twitter. So I agree that people are still holding out. I still have my Twitter account, right? I'm but I, I barely use it anymore. I, I go, I, I check it maybe once a day as opposed to five or 20 times a day. I check threads a lot more often. I enjoy the vibe much more. I enjoy the people more. And I think, you know, when it comes to, to social networks, I would bank my money on Mark Zuckerberg any day over Elon Musk. Don't get me wrong. Elon is brilliant, right? There is a brilliant side to him. He's also crazy, but there is a brilliant side to him. And he does things that are admirable, like the 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 internet with Starlink in, in Ukraine, right? Like I applaud him for that. But when it comes to social networks, you know, to be frank, I'm not sure if either he's so bad at it or whether he actually tries to destroy Twitter because he has, you know, like, for, I don't know, for, 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 you know, to come back at them or because he hates them or whatever. I'm not sure anymore what his game plan is. But this new X company, highly, highly doubtful that it's going to be successful. A lot of people are saying, oh, well, we don't have a WeChat in, in the West, you know, like, like Asian countries have. But WeChat came up under very different circumstances to, you know, a very different time when, Lots of areas, especially in China, were not yet digitized. So very doubtful that Elon gets it right. I am a bit sad about Twitter because I think it's more than just a community. I think it's been a place where, first of all, I met so many great people. I learned from lots of great people and it was an incredibly valuable source of information to me. Now that engagement is going away, it's, it's you know, that I'm, I'm looking for what that new place could be. Hopefully it's threads. I, I want threads to win. But I guess the verdict is still out. I mean, you're trusting Zuckerberg over Elon Musk. It's, it's literally like trusting the devil versus the devil's cousin. Who would have thought, right? Like, I, I dug out this statistic that in November of last year, shortly before Elon took over Twitter, Elon Musk, sorry, Mark Zuckerberg was less popular than Donald Trump, which is not, which is difficult to do. And now the roles have reversed where Elon is basically one of the least popular tech moguls or CEO, CEOs out there. And Zuckerberg has gained, has, has gained popularity. And I think that Threads is, is a, you know, a way for him to potentially redeem himself. And maybe, you know, if he gets it right, become popular again. See, I, I'm not betting like, you know, for Threads to be successful. I think Threads will either cannibalize Instagram or just die a slow Google Plus death. 
you know, I don't see it digging into Twitter. I don't see, I mean, you think you're the exception as always, but I don't see, <laughs> I don't see people going and like, again, like we're a little different because we're part of a community. We're part of like the SEO community and the marketing community. So maybe those marketers move over, but the, the big users of Twitter and you, you look at regular Twitter, like look at like a trending hashtag and you see like the regular people who feel like that's a place they want to share their opinion. They don't care whether they have a hundred followers or not. And I don't see them suddenly deciding, you know what, I want to go tweet, not sorry, thread into the ether on on threads. I think those core users really stay on Twitter and Twitter has that staying power. I think the governments of the world continue to use Twitter. I think Elon definitely has to figure this stuff out. You know, he pissed off like the USGS with the API limitations, but everyone's got API limitations. You can't use stuff for free, but I think they do need to figure out like how public services continue tweeting. I think, you know, you look at how many school districts there are that update on Twitter, like schools are closed today because of snow. They could sort of do that on Facebook too, but the Facebook algorithm isn't like optimized towards that. You'd have to go to the Facebook page to see like what's going on. Like, I don't know if you ever see this, like you want to go to a club and you want to know who's on that night or like what's the menu. Some clubs use Facebook and you have to go to the Facebook page. So even if you're following the Facebook page, it doesn't show up. Some clubs use Twitter and you can optimize your Twitter feed to make sure you get notified when that is updated and it's just a single tweet. Like, hey, this is what's on tonight. This is the menu. Twitter's great for that. I don't know that Threads is really going to be that place. And Zuckerberg, I don't trust him. So like, it's going to be all about data and like, how do you use that to get over to like steal more data or like go over to a Facebook page? So that's where I think it's not really about the fact that you can do a essentially a text Instagram post because that's what threads is. I think it's really about the community and about the staying power. And this is, this is where it's grown. So let's see my money's on threads continue to lose users. I think they're down 50% since they launched. And let's see if, you know, six months from now, we'll make our prediction six months from now, if there's threads just still around, I'm sure it'll still be around because tech companies don't quit so easily, but I, is it doesn't matter. So I, I think you're right. Twitter is going to continue to shed users, but Twitter itself will still exist. And I think Elon does have to figure out the advertising thing. I think what will be really telling is that the next big event, let's let's say the Super Bowl, you know, how does how does advertising work out on the Super Bowl for Twitter? It was always what's it called? A dual screen when you you're like you're advertising, you're trying to you're like have a, a TV ad and you try you also sponsor a hashtag. I think it's called dual screen, multi screen or something like that, dual platform. So during the next Super Bowl or during the next big event, I think it probably is a Super Bowl. Do does advertising decline on Twitter or not? I think it comes back. I think again, you know, like let's talk about like Facebook in general. Whenever I talk to companies, and I always recommend they do Facebook advertising, and they, they say, like, are you kidding? No one's on Facebook anymore. So yes, Facebook has lost a significant chunk of daily users. However, the users that are left, you still got some great data and it's a great place to target them. So I think the same thing applies to Twitter. Yes, you've lost a lot of Twitter users. You're not targeting the same hundreds of millions you could before, but the hundreds of millions that are left, still really valuable. So let's see. I, I think... I think it'll be telling what happens with Twitter. I don't think Elon, you know, Elon will take it public again. Something will happen, but I don't think it goes anywhere. So let's turn this into a prediction. My prediction is that at the end of this year, so now it's end of July, I, I say at the end of the year, 2023, we'll see threads surprisingly with very strong engagement, growing user numbers, despite the initial drop in daily active users, which in my mind is expected. So we'll see very positive sentiment around threads and we'll see record lows on X, formerly Twitter. So I predict that 
will actually see a like a 25% drop in engagement on Twitter, probably measure, measured in daily active users. I can agree with the, the engagement drop, but I, I also want to add on that I think we're going to see threads like existing in a very small community. Same way like like Mastodon. Like I think it just you know, it won't die. It'll just exist. But I think the Twitter drop will continue. Cool. Awesome. We got that one locked in. Speaking of Twitter, I saw one thing that made me pretty sad where one of our friends gave a shout out. So one of our friends, uh, Elida Solis, if, you, if you're not familiar with her, which you should be, go and follow her. She's, she's one of the queens of SEO. The queen, not one, the, yeah. Oh man, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to pick. There are many queens. But she basically posted, you know, she basically retweeted another person who is, I think it was, I got to be careful how I phrase this now, who was born in Russia, but doesn't live in Russia anymore. And it was not a, it was not a political tweet at all. I think it was about SEO. No, I think it, she just does these things where she says like, these are people to follow. And, you know, we should publicly thank a late on the podcast. She, I think she tweeted out and shared out in her newsletter last week that she should follow the two of us and listen to our podcast. So love her for that. But I think she did the exact same thing for this person that was born in Russia. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't even like an endorsement. It's just like, hey, here's one of five people you should be following. Right, exactly. And then she got a ton of flag from people who accused her of, you know, pr- like basically attacked her for promoting somebody who was born in Russia as if she had taken the side of the Ukraine-Russia war and said that, you know, she's pro-Russian. So got attacked pretty harshly. And, you know, I, I think that that's complete bull. There was no uh, first, you know, like uh, first of all, just because somebody was born somewhere to put them in a box and stereotype them, I think that's that's very short-sighted thinking, not rational at all. So, you know, I'm not sure what uh, the, the point I'm trying to make here is. Basically, you know, people need to think a step ahead and you know stop condemning people for where they were born and more judge them by their actions. Absolutely. And I think it's ridiculous that in the marketing community, this exists, and certainly in the SEO community, where people attack others for beliefs of other people. Like, I think it's fair to attack someone in the marketing community. I don't attack anybody, but I don't even know anybody that has beliefs. But like, if someone tweets out extremist views on Ukraine, and whether they're Russian or not, you can attack those views and say, this isn't someone I would I want to work with or recommend. But if someone is just Russian, whether they live in Russia or don't live in Russia, I think that's completely unfair. And you know, there, there was, a, I think it was a couple of years ago, someone went and attacked Morty Oberstein for, his, for something Israel was doing when Morty was just hosting SEO chat. And that's like absolutely ridiculous. You can't attack something, you know, you can't, you shouldn't be attacking anybody anyways. But I think as marketers, we should respect like the people and not the places where we're from, and certainly not the things that our governments do, and certainly not the things that our co-citizens do. So I love that Alayda didn't back down, and she said, I'm going to endorse this person as a person. And I think a bunch of people in the community rallied to her support, but then there were some that, that weren't. So that's really disappointing that that even happens. Yeah, super disappointing. People need to, again, grow up, stop attacking people, for where they were born and start judging them by their actions, not not dissent. Completely stupid. So that being said, 
something not so stupid, but very smart is, or supposedly smart, is Google's SGE search generative experience, which provides AI answers in a beta environment. And in the most recent earnings call of Google for Q2, Sunar Pichai, the CEO of Google, and well, basically Google, YouTube, I think he's CEO of, anyway, whatever his title is, said that engagement and feedback for SGE has actually been pretty good. And it goes counter to what lots of SEOs, including myself, have experienced because SGE does not seem to be so good. So Eli, what do you think? Are we just blind as SEOs and expect way too much? Or did he polish the current state of affairs a little bit? So I think that SGE is improving. I'm not sure what's going to happen now with SGE because I, I see, think the, the chat GPT numbers are declining. Maybe it's not as exciting for the masses as the media wanted everyone to think. So it could be that the bar has been lowered for SGE, that Google can continue to leave it as a beta, can continue to, you know, the, both of us are opted into it. A lot of people are opted into it, but the rest of the world doesn't know. It doesn't really matter. So, you know, if they have an earnings call, the journalists who are probably not using SGE probably think, oh, this is great. We will... You know, assume that Google is telling the truth, and this is a fantastic thing that everyone loves. So I think SGE is improving, but I don't know if that matters. What do you think? I think that generally, again, I, I think as, as SEOs, we're super critical. I think it's a better experience for non-SEO users. And I also think that Google has a couple of aces up their sleeves, and I think they'll make the experience a lot better than what it is right now. There have been conversations and reveals about Gemini, which is the code name for a new AI tech that Google is working on, a new project to significantly improve not just SGE AI answers, but AI components at Google in general. And I have a feeling that, again, that they're you know, planning to roll this out in December, which is what's not even like, it's like four, maybe three months away. And I have a feeling that until then, they'll significantly bump the, the quality of this and it's going to be way better than what it is right now. That being said, you know, it's, it's not uncommon for SEOs to have a very different views compare, view about the quality of search results compared to the broader public. We're just, you know, in it. We're, we're a little more blind to it. We see it a little more critical. And when I look at how, for example, my parents use Google, it's a very different experience. Yeah, and, and I, again, I, I think the bar has been lowered. You know, it, it for for Google, they they sort of give okay results, like they've been doing. They can tell everyone they have generative responses, and they don't notice them. And for Google, it's really, do they retain their users? Do they not go over to Bing? Do they not go to ChatGPT? And do they click ads? So one thing I have seen is that there are now more ads on top of the generative responses. So I think I think Google is in a good place, and I think that you know Sundar is probably telling the truth that it's popular amongst the very small amount of users that are using it, and internally the data is correct. So I I still think they're going to roll it out very soon because why not? Right, they have it. They want to make sure that the users aren't going to go to ChatGPT. But I, I think it's been overblown. I think you know once you talk about a little bit what you're doing with ChatGPT, but I think for most people. They have this FOMO that they should be using it. There's something cool that they need to be doing because everyone else is. But I don't know that a lot of people have figured out a great way to use generative AI. Hmm. It's interesting. I use it every day several times to challenge my viewpoints, come up with new, point, view, new viewpoints, brainstorm, ideate. 
I, I, you know, one thing that works really well, for example, is to come up with analogies. So I would say, hey, here's the situation I face. Can you come up with an analogy for that? And it will give me brilliant analogies. It's, you know, so it, it, there are certain ways where it's really good. And I, I find myself using it a lot. I've used it for SEOs, sorry, for SEOs, for SEO and content generation. If you understand how to formulate a good prompt, then you can get stunningly good output. So I'm generally bullish on the whole thing while I also, you know, I, within boundaries. I'm bullish within boundaries. Let's call it that. I don't think it's going to replace SEO or marketers or anything, but it's going to amplify and multiply our output. So I think the people who are already really good, they're going to get 10x better. And that's going to make it, I think, a lot harder to catch up with, with the people who are average. Yeah. Let's let's see what happens. It's been a, definitely an interesting journey, and let's let's wrap up with a quick discussion about the economy. So, there was a headline that the recession is coming. I think some of us think we're already in a recession. So, I don't know. That kind of sucks. Like, you know, you think you're already on like the scary part of the roller coaster, and then you're like, oh no, no, no. The the big drop is is around the corner. So, what do you think? Like, how do you how do you feel about the economy? How's this is your first year as a full-time consultant and having to eat what you kill. How do you how how optimistic do you feel? Eat what you kill. I love it. You know what? I have to say I changed my mind about this one. I was way more convinced that a recession was going to hit the US. And I mean, what even is a recession? I learned that that's also not so crystal clear. I always thought that a recession is defined by two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. Turns out we had that, but then the job market or labor market is pretty strong and interest rates are up. So it seems like we're, we're, not, we're not all agreeing that a recession has happened or is about to happen. And I actually, I'm actually less inclined to say that there is one coming and it looks a lot more like a soft landing to me. When you look at inflation, which is coming down a lot when looked at all items, meaning you know energy retail consumer all that kind of stuff inflation is coming down hard job market still going strong the us economy grew by 2.4% in the second quarter none of that smells like a recession to me i will agree with you that business for many agencies and companies is not so hot i do also think though that we're right now at the bottom of that situation everybody is way more conservative with their spend companies are way more careful and it seems to be that we're just you know we're normalizing to a pre-pandemic level and and i don't think you know it doesn't seem to me that we're, we're facing a recession anytime soon that being said i'm not you know an economist or a macro you know economic expert if that if, if you will so take that with bigger and salt what do you think Eli? Yeah, good. That's a good point. I think it really doesn't matter whether there's an actual economic recession or whether there is a feeling of recession. I am seeing that budgets are significantly being cut across marketing. Obviously, we have a number of friends and colleagues that have been laid off. So whether that was justified or not because of the economic future, that's a reality. So I'm I'm seeing that there's a lot more hesitancy on signing deals committing to spend. Some of the companies I've been talking to suddenly had their budgets pulled. Now, where there is budget, and I just heard this yesterday from an, you know, an agency friend, he broke this down as there's two kinds of budgets. There's grow budget, 
which is the budget we're now being seeing being cut because there's hesitancy to spend it. And then there's the fear budget. So I don't know if you saw this headline, but Accenture generated $100 million in the last four months off of AI projects. So everyone, like we just discussed, is afraid they're going to miss the AI train and they're jumping on this. So even though there might not be budgets, they want to spend on AI. And in the VC funding world, there's not a lot of funding happening, but if you put the word AI on it, suddenly there's lots of funding. So I think that there is definitely concern about what the future holds, whether that is a real recession or not, just concern. And when it comes to those kinds of things, then you know there might be hesitancy to hire, to onboard a contractor, to hire an agency, to invest in the big projects. But if there's, hey, we better spend on this right now or we'll miss out, then there is money. So It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I hope that we're close to the bottom of it. I hope that you know, the companies realize that they've squeezed too much out of their teams. And if they want to grow and they want to survive and they want to thrive, they need to invest more in it. So you and I are on the side where they need to invest because that's what we're waiting for. And I, I hope this turns around soon. And you know, maybe we can I don't know, get the contrarian marketing podcast that AI and suddenly there'll be lots of interest in, in what we're doing. But in the meantime, yeah, regardless of whether there's a real recession or not, it feels like a recession, so it doesn't really matter what the economics say about it. And let's uh, let's wrap up with, we got a really cool upcoming interview that, well, our first ever interview that's going to be released on the Contrarian Marketing Podcast. We've been doing this eight, almost eight months now, and we've had one guest. You want to give a highlight or two from that, that guest interview? Oh, man. Where would you even start? So... Whether, you know, like we spoke about so many different topics from consulting to chat GPT to writing and marketing yourself. A couple, you know, of the, man, I don't, I don't even know what to pick. I think one of my favorite excerpts of that, of that conversation was just about like this, this point of confidence and, and how to like, you know, like believe in yourself and projecting that conference over to, to other, to your clients and to people you work with that maybe it resonated so much because I always struggle a little bit with that, always a little imposter syndrome but yeah, and I think that conversation is full of nuggets. Eli, what do you think? Are we saying who the guest is or are we just going to surprise everyone? We got to say who the guest is. The, the Let's just say it. Let's the, just say it. All right. It is Michael Jackson. Yeah. And is Elon Musk? <laughs> Michael Jackson. Didn't he die? No, he's still alive. No, he's kidding. No, he died. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, I, I, when Michael Jackson died, actually, this is great. This is a, We never did this before. We're tying back the end to the beginning. So the reason that Google Plus was released was because of Michael Jackson. Did you know that? What? Yes. Eli. Oh, okay, we're going Wikipedia. We're going to put this in the show notes. So Michael Jackson died. It's 2009, June 25th, 2009. And there was, how old was Twitter at the time? A few years old, not that old. So there were rumors that Michael Jackson had died. And everyone did what they do with rumors, which is you Google them. So, so many people were Googling, did Michael Jackson die? That Google thought they were, they were being attacked with a DDoS. And they didn't know Michael Jackson died because the way Google works is it has to crawl the internet to discover things, and then it can feed you back a result. But when you search, Michael, did Michael Jackson die, or Michael Jackson dead, or whatever it was searching, there were no results because it was too fast. They had not yet crawled the authoritative site, so there were no results, and they were just getting hammered with this. So they launched Google+, Plus because they needed a, an ear into the social media world that when 
something big happened, they would know that that happened and therefore they could know that it's real and, and give sort of results without needing to crawl the web and process it. So we'll link this on Wikipedia. I'm pretty sure this is accurate because it's been a while since I've read that Wikipedia article, but that's why they launched Google Plus. And then they subsequently, when Google Plus failed, I think that's when they did the Twitter firehose deal where they got the tweets and they would also know what's real. But yeah, Michael Jackson was was one of the reasons that that Google had to make their threats <laughs> or Facebook made their Facebook plus. But yeah. anyways, going back to our guest, our guest was not Michael Jackson. It is Alan Weiss. And for those of you in the consulting world that don't know who Alan Weiss is, you're going to love this episode. And for those of you that know who Alan Weiss is, you're also going to love this episode. Alan Weiss is the GOAT of consulting. He wrote his first book, I think in the late 90s, called Million Dollar Consultant. It's since been updated six times. Bestseller. Each time he releases a bestseller. I remember, I think I read one of his first books. Like It's all, it's sort of the same. He updates it. And about how to set up a consulting practice, I was hooked from the beginning. And he gave us so many nuggets. You know, One of the things I just, we're not going to leak the episode, but one of the things I remember reading in the book that got me hooked on Alan Weiss and I started following him and reading all everything he had written was he had this, he said he was like at a, an event where he explained what he calls value-based pricing. So you're not, you're not pricing based on the hour, you're based on the value, you're pricing based on the value that you offer to a client. And someone stood up and came to the microphone and said, like, he introduced himself like he's introducing himself as an alcoholic. And he's like, hey, my name is like Alan or whatever his name was. And I charged $1,000 for a project that, and like whispered it, that the company generated a billion dollars off of, and then he like sat down. So like, that's the idea is like, you know, should you charge a billion dollars? You can't charge a billion dollars, but charging $1,000 for a billion dollar idea is probably a little bit less. So from then on, I was hooked. You know, I built my entire consulting off of that, and we were really lucky to have him, and, and you know, we'll have this episode come out shortly. Yeah. Can't wait to publish this one. We ask questions like, what do most people don't know about you? You know, like what what kind of what do you see most people doing wrong when consulting and all this kind of stuff. He also has some interesting viewpoints on ChatGPT and, and human content. So pumped to get this one out. Would love to hear all of your feedback and thoughts on the topics that we discuss. And let us know what you think about threads. Post it in the comments, post it on LinkedIn. Let us know. Are you on threads? Do you love threads? Do you hate threads? And what do you think about X? Is X going to thrive and become the new world app or is it going to dive? I have an opinion, but I want to hear yours. Absolutely. Cool. Thanks, Eli. Thanks, Kevin. 